um, almost the beginning of a new year, I thought that I would um, address a topic that I think all of us, excuse me, <coughs> that all of us um, deal with, we struggle with. I know that when I read the Bible, um, I'm always seeking that. And um, I think the biggest thing is I have to get myself out of the way and then uh, things begin to happen and the combustion seems to occur at that time. So today I want to speak on the topic. Having said that, I want to speak on the topic from Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25. The topic is committing to hear God's voice. Committing to hear God's voice. What do you think of? What do you think of when I mention the word fundamentals? It sounds almost too nasty sometimes to a lot of folks. It sounds almost too um, disinteresting to others. Maybe even to those who desire to enter a field, maybe perhaps Christian ministry. But the person sometimes may not want to dig deep enough to discover what the roots are that are growing there. By the way, did you know that God is interesting in educating us as well as transforming us? And I, I find that as the years go by, I find that a very fascinating formula that I try to have in my life. Whatever negative ideas are conjured up in our thinking about the word fundamentals, there's no way that life can be lived successfully as a Christian without finding and applying the fundamentals. Some of you may remember there's an old American pop song that I think says it very well. And I quote, the fundamental things apply as time goes by. What I'd like to focus on today are some fundamental basic, what I call disciplines. Perhaps exercises, perhaps behaviors, perhaps training regimen that have proven very effective in my discipline, in my odyssey of Christian living. I focused on these few basics because I think they determine the climate of a soul. Sometimes what I mean by that is sometimes I think Depends on the seasons of life, depends on, I guess, the day of the week, depends on whatever happens in the course of a day. But sometimes I think, perhaps many times, uh, we have a temperature in our soul in which we're on fire for the Lord. And maybe sometimes we're not. It just depends. But I think that as we determine the climate of a soul, I think that if those basics are pursued, I think everything else will grow. At least this is what I'm discovering. One last introductory comment. I don't know how anyone could make a determination of what priority these disciplines should be listed in. Perhaps it's not important after all because they're not observed in a sequence. 
we live and make progress in them, I think, all the time. If you're like me, you work on some of them. You say, oh, that one may be slipping. We've got to work on that one. And so we are constantly taking the temperature of the climate of our soul. What I'm going to do today is simply list some of them. I want to discuss one of them. And then you can prioritize them as you choose. So here then is a listing of some fundamental disciplines to walk with God that I have found helpful. And in a few moments here, the focus of what I want to talk about today, of course, is committing to hear God's voice. That's the first one on my list, a commitment to hear God's voice as we read the Word of God. The second one, of course, is a spirit of forgiveness. The second fundamental, the second discipline is a spirit of forgiveness. And I find that that is the key to everything else in Christian living. To the extent that we are here called as a way of life, we are called to be forgivers. But how, how hard is it sometimes when we're dealing with various folks? We have to remember that. I think that's what Jesus meant when he told Peter, how many times should I forgive? He said 70 times 7. He didn't mean to go through a multiplication project. He said make it a life. It's a lifestyle. Well, a spirit of forgiveness. Another one. Living in the power of baptism. And what I mean by that is what it symbolizes. And we need to remember to remember. And living in the resources of the Lord's table. Living in the resources of the Lord's table as we remember. As he said, do this in remembrance of me. Another one. Feeding on the word of God. Feeding on the Word of God. Each one of these would deserve a sermon in itself. I'm just listing them. The other one, another one, is the prayer life. The prayer life. Another one, the life of faith. One of my teachers, by the way, at Talbot, he's now retired, at Talbot Seminary, Dr. James Roscup, wrote an entire multi-volume commentary on prayer in the Bible. It's a fantastic work. Another one is maintaining integrity of heart. Maintaining integrity of heart. If I can learn to be absolutely, totally, completely, and unreservedly honest to God, upfront with him in every dealing of his spirit in my heart, and responding to his promptings, and submitting to his corrections, there is immeasurable joy that comes from that. And there's immeasurable sorrow that I'll be spared from. That's maintaining integrity of heart. Another one, abiding in the fullness of the Spirit, Ephesians 5. Another one, living a life of submission, Matthew 8, Philippians 2. Another one, practicing solitude and quietness, Mark 6, Philippians 4. Another one, the life of a worshiper in private and public. And I'm sure 
that the list can go on, but I just wrote down a few of them when we talk about fundamentals. Now today, I want to, for the time we have left, I want to focus on the first discipline, and that is a commitment to hear God's voice. In Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, let me ask you a question. What is the most essential attitude of the disciple when approaching God's word? You open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25. We study together what I believe is the most important truth in God's word concerning its use. And the answer is, it's Jesus' lesson on listening. I think I flunked already. Uh, I think I'm still learning how to be a listener. And it's not tried to sound, you know, holier than thou and spiritual and all of that. It's a frank, you know, objective admission to where I'm at right now. To begin with, let me state the principal truth in the, in the scripture passage in Mark chapter 4. And that is the absolute importance of hearing the words of the Bible. I note in James chapter 1, verses 21 to 25, similar language. That's James chapter 1, 21 to 25. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But watch out, in the hearing, he immediately adds, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And then Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That hearing, as I'm learning, has much more to do with an attitude that a Christian disciple must have than it does with one's ability to hear sounds and understand meanings of words. It's becoming obvious that this hearing has to do with, first, a person's willingness to be changed by what they hear. Even as I have been reading and studying the Bible all these years, when I read something that I don't understand, haven't understood for a long time, I pray and I ask God to show me, to enlighten me, to illumine me. And there's still more to do each time when I come to those verses. I'm fascinated, for example, in the Old Testament with what the Bible means by peace. And that is one of my lifelong studies, to learn what it means here when it says shalom or shalem the noun or the verb. And realizing, too, secondly, that a living faith, not merely belief, but the power to see things changed, comes from this kind of hearing. And now can you imagine as our two grandchildren come to us, they're not interested in me sitting down and talking these kind of things to them. I have to show them in my life and then reflected in my life, which is coming here in a minute when he talks about a candle. In short, 
our willingness to be changed by the truth of the word of God determines our ability to see things changed around us by the power of applying the promises of the word of God. But what does Jesus say about truly hearing the word of God? If you notice in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, I wonder, in those five verses, how does it fit in with the first part of the chapter which talks about the parable of the sower? Why do those words in Mark 4, 21 to 25, appear in the place that they do? I'm asking about context. As you read the Bible... As we all know, when you read the Bible, we have to pay attention to the context in which the words come. My answer to the question is that the candle is the parable. I'm reminded where he said in another context, let your light shine, don't hide it anywhere. And I'm reminded about a candle, which is a bright light, makes no noise, but no one can miss seeing it. That's another discussion, but that speaks very loud to me about what my life is supposed to be like. Well, I think when I say the candle is the parable in Mark 4, I think that verses um, 21 to 25 are a follow-up to what Jesus has been saying after he explained the parable of the sower to his uh, disciples, as a response to their asking what it meant in verse 10. In short, having explained the parable in detail, Jesus continues by saying, after all, isn't a lamp to shed light? Jesus is explaining. He says, I'm using these parable story pictures to make sure that no one misses the point of what I'm saying. Verse 22 elaborates the desire of Jesus that his disciples listen, learn, and understand clearly. Now, here comes the key point, though. I appreciate what you said earlier about having ears to hear. That, I mean, that was beautiful. And I know, as we said here, that's Holy Spirit. The key point, it is he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's right there that the Lord's words issue timeless terms here for knowing God's word. Really knowing it. And what does that mean? The answer, you have to be, we have to be genuine listeners. Genuine Listeners, And that's pretty hard in a day and time where we all like to talk. I went to school, I learned how to talk. I went to seminary, I learned how to talk. I went to grad school, I learned how to talk. And then right out of grad school, I flew to, uh, flew to South Korea, and that's where you have to learn how to be quiet. <laughs> but what does it mean to be a genuine listener? That is what having ears to hear means. The verb for hear refers to much more than just hearing sounds. It also speaks of a person's receiving 
and responding to what they've heard. Now we can see the very next words of Jesus become, they, they become so dramatically decisive. He says in Mark 4, 24, take heed what you hear. And then the warning comes. Only to the degree that you hear, and that means receive and respond, will you be able to experience what God has for you. So wait a minute. Are you trying to tell us then that because things don't happen in our life, like we plan, like our logic goes, that somehow it has to do with my degree of listening to the Word of God? In my life, that's what it is. I don't know about yours, but in my life, that's what it is. I have to get rid of my earthly perspective and move it back. But that's not easy for me to do because I, I think I have my life all planned out. And after all, I prayed up and said, God, this is what I want to do. This is the logic. And what I'm finding out is sometimes God's logic is very different than mine. And it's not easy for me to, how do you, how do you want to say, it's not easy for me to change. And it takes time for me. I don't know if I'm talking to people who have similar experiences, but this is, this is what happens in my, in my Christian life as I go along. Of course, hope is a big part of it. Yes, hope. The hope that, you know, eventually my, my, my death, all these hopes come here. That's the fantastic part of it that Paul talks about. But it's not easy. Whoever has ears to hear... And he, he, he gives this demanding provisions here. Whoever has ears to hear or will to receive and respond to the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals to her, to him, shall receive more. So the issue comes, what I'm trying to say to you, the issue comes is that you and I must respond to the truth of God's word. Not simply learn it. Memorize it, yes. When I went to college, there was a friend of mine who had memorized the entire New Testament by theme. And when I listened to him preach, it was, it was beautiful. And he taught me that, that method of scripture memory. But we have now, you see, we have now to respond to the truth of God's word. We've got to take it the next step. Well, he adds here a frightening consequence, Jesus, of unresponsiveness to God's word. In Mark chapter 4, verse 25, whoever does not have, that is, who, who evidences a capability to hear the sounds, but does not respond to the truth of God's word, whoever does not have will eventually lose what they originally had. That's a towering truth as I read that. I mean, what powerful observations Jesus makes on the danger of being around the living Word of God and we don't respond to it. The living Word of God merely falls on our ears, sometimes as optional pieces of information, rather than as required hearing for personal change. You know what I'm talking about? It happens to me all the time. 
Oh, God, I know that already. Don't tell me that. Don't you know I, I went to seminary? I have all of this education. I know all that. Don't tell me that again. Wrong attitude. Do we go about our Christian lives being busy around the Word of God but not truly responding to it? I, you know, I want you to notice the first word in Mark chapter 4, verse 3. What is it? Mark chapter 4, verse 3. What does he say? Listen. 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 It's not just to gain the crowd's attention that Jesus says this word. It is a command to discipline our souls towards a constant, receptive, and responsive uh, stance when the living word of God speaks to us. This is a personal message to all of us and for all of our lives. Please remember, every time God's word is heard or read, we are accountable to him for that privilege. Some places it's not possible. I've been watching, I don't know if you all saw on the PBS channel about inside North Korea. I've been watching that and what we're doing right now is not permitted in that country. But people are thirsty for that. They're hungry for that. It's a privilege that we have to hear, to read God's word. We're accountable to him for that privilege. We should not let the seed of truth fall on a barren heart or stony attitudes or weedy land of a mind that is so preoccupied with the things of this world that it loses sight of eternal things. Every time we hear a sermon or we open the Bible, our assignment is to tune our souls to a readiness to be shaped, to be taught, to be corrected, to be advised. If I come with the attitude, assuming that I know all of this already, I'm on the brink of eventual spiritual bankruptcy. According to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, 25, it shall be taken from him what he already has. Now, there's a clarifying question. Can you begin to see why this foundational lesson on how God's word is to be approached becomes so crucial. Here is a sobering warning against passivity, presumption, indifference, a stolid in, um, a predisposition that says, I already know this, or I'm right in my understanding of the Bible, and I know it, and there's nothing or no one who's going to change my mind about it. There's also a glorious promise. I love this promise in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. In contrast to a human attitude of self-will and or stubborn pride, Jesus describes the certainty of a holy fruitfulness where a person responds to the word of God with an open-hearted, receptive spirit of availability to be taught. And by the way, this is for an entire lifetime. Notice what he says, Mark chapter 4. And verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, 
such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold, 30-fold, 60, 100. Brothers and sisters, these are not just crops gathered in autumn, nor are they figures that predestine some of us to smaller measures and others to larger ones. This is our Lord Jesus Christ talking about his truth manifesting itself in fruit in the issues of our human experiences. It is God saying, if you keep an open heart to my word, there will always be a fruitful harvest of that word's promise and power in your life and your circumstances. In case, just to be sure, the primary message today is this. God's word has been given to increase growth, fullness, and blessing, both in and through our lives. And it is only as you and I keep open to it, which means we keep teachable, we keep shapeable, we keep responsive, listening, with a ready heart to be taught, a ready heart to obey, that the fruit will appear and increase. Here's the formula. His is the power. Ours may be the blessing. How we listen will determine it all. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Behold, Lord, we are empty vessels that need to be filled. Please, Lord, fill us. We are weak in the faith. Please, Lord, strengthen us. We are cold in love. Please, Lord, warm us and make us fervent that our love may go out to our neighbors. Lord, you know we do not have a strong and firm faith. And at times we doubt and we are unable to trust you altogether. Oh Lord, please help us. Please strengthen our faith and our trust in you. We are sinners saved by your grace. We need your daily, hourly guidance in our lives. Your joy, which we gain through your power, has become our strength. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.